This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Oi, oi, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old Mac of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. Christmas seldom brings us snow, so this year have some festive joe. He's got a better bit than Santa, as well as superior banter. So stock your Christmas larder, or with some vintage marler, a bubble so much larger. Covid rules allow ya So it's a ho 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 from the Marler Show A virtual hug from Tom and Joe I hope you have fun wherever you may go Tom, 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 Tom You lazy sod Christmas holiday already started, is it? Here's my thinking, Joe Think of your favourite Christmas song Did you just hear it once, or have you heard it? Every single time Christmas has come around. Uh, It's not about Christmas songs. You've been told to create jingles. Different ones for every episode. I've already heard that one. Yes, I loved it last week. It was fantastic. Really warmed me in my insides. And marginally bits of my outsides. Fantastic. But now I'm thinking of the listeners as well. well. They're going to be disappointed. How many times has Mariah Carey released All I Want For Christmas Is You? Yeah, loads of times, but exactly. never never been number one because she releases it all the time. So only ever is it not number one this year. Uh, you've stumped me. <laughs> um, that's a leg by wicket. What's a cricket term? Not leg by wicket. <laughs> <laughs> you've just run me out, outrun me. Yeah, or stumped as you said originally. Oh, you stumped yeah. me. Yeah, you've yeah. treed, you've treed me. Treed you, yeah, good and proper. You've treed me anyway. <laughs> shall we fucking crack on now? Let's do it. Lazy sod. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler, and this is Tom the Lazy Sod for <laughs> Dice. Do you know what else this is, Joe? This is our last show of 2020. Oh, fucking thank God. Yeah. So we're having a week off uh, next week for Christmas. So this is everyone's chance to catch up on all the episodes, either they missed or their favourites. You know, the Christmas period is there for people to catch up with their favourite episodes. You're looking at me like I've messed this up. <laughs> Sounds like you've messed it up. <laughs> so if you have got some... Some. I've got Northern. <laughs> Did you hear that? He said some. If you have got some. So if you have got some time off over Christmas, you know, use that period to catch up with any episodes that you might have missed. And then when the New Year starts, you'll be bang up to date. Yeah, I like that. Because you know what Christmas time's about, Tom? What's that, Joe? Listening to Psychopath Expert. <laughs> So, fill your boots with that one. And also, prison governors. What a festive treat you could have. Psychopaths celebrate Christmas as well. They just do it in a really weird way. Right, we've got a list here of people to say hello to, Tom. Yeah, so these aren't actually all our listeners, but I think we might have got most of them here, Joe. Should we alternate here? Right, this is our shout-out list for 2020. Nathaniel. Claire. Fred. Katie. 
Dr. Jonathan Birch, who sent us an email, it says, Just writing to let you know that my lads and I have been listening to your show and are loving it. Anne Rooney, not Wayne's mum. Caitlin Cook, who is excellent at gifts. Martin Kelly. Nick Bush. <laughs> Jim Stebman. Craig. Mace the Barber. Yes, Mace the Barber. Yossi. Is that Yossi or Yossi? Yossi or Yossi? Lloyd Rimmer. Georgie. L- hang on. What? Lloyd Rimmer. That's how you spell Lloyd. Is it? Double L. <laughs> Fuck. Glennon Clark. Ian. Sarah Spall. Will. Aaron. Andy Peterson, who has screenshotted evidence of him growing the show on WhatsApp. James Welsh. Jack. Cat. Andy McKay. Kirsty. Such a long list. Mark Pestridge. <laughs> Louise Ward. What about all the poor fuckers that don't get mentioned? And have to whole, listen to the whole list anyway. Yeah, fair. Stuart Sinclair. James Sturdy. Janet. Lee Garner. Zoe. Paul. Andrew Dawson. Josh Cayley. Matt. And Ollie Soundy. Now, we're hoping, Ollie, you're going to make us a jingle. When you hear this, get your jingle on, yeah? Look, I'm sorry if we haven't read your name out. It doesn't mean that we don't love you. It just means we're shit at putting lists together and reading them out, by the sounds of it. Um, We're on Instagram and Twitter, so look for The Joe Marler Show. Let us know where and when you're listening, and we'll get you on the list. Right, Joe, should we bring a guest in? Oh, go on, then. Right, today's episode is about midwives, and our guest is Marie-Louise. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for coming on. I'm really excited about this one. Good. Because, have I told you this, Tom? I don't know, because I don't know what you're going to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Um, I'm My wife's expecting our fourth, and I'll be honest with you, I still haven't got a clue what to do at the birth. I'm sure you do. No, 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 no. I, I try and think back to the previous three. Yeah. Every single time I've been like, what do we do? What do we do? And every single time when we get the baby home, I sit there and I go, fuck. <laughs> that's so normal, though. We've got another human life to look yes. after. Yeah. And that scares the life out of me. Yeah, it, it is a bit scary, I must admit. And after being a midwife or in midwifery for over a decade, I had that too. I had that total puck. I'm entirely responsible for this tiny little human. But that's totally normal. Everyone gets that. How many kids have you got? This is my first one. And how old is he, she? She is four months old. She's just outside. So, yeah, she's four months old. Sorry, on her... She's not on her own. Her dad outside. (laughs) On the street. On the street. No, I've just left her with the receptionist. You don't mind, do you? Uh, She's actually... We we haven't got a receptionist. (laughs) She's she's with her dad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Just to clarify. Yeah, she's not on her own. Oh, so it's your first. So you you didn't have kids before becoming a midwife? No, no, I didn't. I don't know why that, Tom, seems strange to me. I just presume every midwife would have gone through it. Well, almost no referees have played top flight rugby. You're such a rugby horse. (laughs) I get it, but, you know, please continue. Actually becoming a mother has taught me so, so much. And I still say that I don't think that you have to have had kids to be a good midwife because... At the same time, you have nothing to go by. So it's not like, you know, I wouldn't think to myself, OK, when I was two centimetres dilated, I was absolutely fine. I was actually in a car garage looking at cars and I felt fine. I was having contractions, but I was felt like I was able to deal with it. What, what was the car? What was the car? 
out of that, you got what was the car? Just wondering if you made the purchase. You're fucking <laughs> But as soon as you've asked the question, uh, an Audi. Oh, it's an Audi. Did you make the? We purchase didn't or? make the purchase. Oh. No, and he was he was quite upset. But I mean, he was a typical cheesy salesman, and he was like, "Oh, you know what? You're going to call the baby. You're going to call it after me, and all that kind oh, of stuff." Oh, do me a favour. That's, that's yeah. where he's lost the sale, yeah. right there. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and he was calling himself Uncle Barry, and I was oh, just like, oh, "I'm out. I'm out." God, if if for some obscure reason. Uncle Barry <laughs> at the Audi car showroom in <laughs> where was it? Somewhere in Essex. We won't be too specific. Yeah, please. Is listening to this. You need to change your sales pitch, please. <laughs> Stop calling yourself Uncle Barry. Um, you you mentioned about having your baby during the pandemic. Mm. Um, we've had a listener come in. We have got some listeners. Okay. But not many. Not many. Okay, that's all right. Um, Johnny. He says he was at home watching cricket for three days. And then was called in on day four for the last bit. It's actually really sad. Yes. You had to do quite a lot of all the scans and the meetings yeah. and all that lot on your own. Yeah, I think it's... I've always understood and like really appreciated the value of company. And part of my job as a midwife is to make sure... The word midwife means with woman. So that makes... You should make sure that you're truly with the woman. What do you mean? Yeah. It's with woman. Mm-hmm. Midwife means with with woman. Yes. How? So you're meant to be truly with the woman on that journey. So part of our job as midwives is to make sure that we empower women and we give them the choices. So it's not me saying this is what you should have or this is what you need. It's me saying this is what I would recommend. Here's the evidence to support what I'm saying. And it's up to you to choose what you would like to do with your body and with your baby. What happens, though, when you get into a situation? Because everyone's always like you've always got a plan. Yeah. I mean, what's that? There's, everyone's a got a plan, plan until they get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Not exactly the same saying, but you're with me. Yeah. Um, what do you say to the women there that, that it goes tits up mm-hmm. and they're that they're panicking, they're mm-hmm. so upset by the fact that it hasn't gone to plan. Yeah. And ultimately they're getting really distressed and upset mm-hmm. about it and their decision making's clouded by that because sure. they want it this way, they want it that way. Yeah. But, Surely all that matters is that the baby comes out alive and healthy. In terms of when things do go tits up, because yes, things don't go according to plan sometimes. Yeah, as you said, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Um, and I didn't punch, is... just to clarify, I didn't punch my wife during <laughs> no. any of her labours. Did she punch you in the face? Again, let's move on swiftly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the most important thing is prior understanding of how birth works so birth is unpredictable like everything in life and we all have plans for everything that we do it's about educating women so that they understand that yes this is the birth that everyone will plan for this is the birth that we will do our best to support you in however things may change perhaps your your waters will go and you'll have meconium in the waters where the baby's done a poos and that is totally out of everyone's control and yes it may be disheartening but we would recommend fetal monitoring for you to get out of the pool and i think it's about explaining all of this prior to the actual birth because if you go into birth with a set plan and that plan doesn't go accordingly it is really disheartening and women often grieve for their births that they didn't have i always say the nurturer needs to be nurtured So the mum is giving up so much of herself during pregnancy, during birth, physically. She's lost a lot of blood during the birth. All of her organs have been displaced and moved around. You know, so much has happened. It's a big job, is what I'm saying. And so I always say the nurturer needs to be nurtured. So someone else needs to be saying to the mum, are you okay? What do you need? How do you feel? And bring a bit of focus back onto the mum. I don't know if you found this joke, but with both of mine, when they arrived... 
what I found myself thinking, Marie, was, yes, this is an incredible, amazing thing, but I also mm-hmm. found myself thinking, there's got to be an easy way of doing this. <laughs> it's, it's not, can't we have evolved a better way? Of, oh, <laughs> yeah. my God. What, like yeah. stalks? Stalks would be <laughs> ideal. I hope you didn't say that to Murph at any point. <laughs> you went, oh, come on. Just get... Did you? No, well, the thing that happened with my first one, and this actually this is ties into what you've just been saying, Marie, the plan was... Murph had in her head, no painkiller, she's going to experience this, she's quite tough, I'm going to experience this properly. And then she's had 48 hours of extreme agony, mm. and the midwife has said, you're going to have to have some pain relief. Mm. And Murph said, I'll have half a paracetamol, the midwife's made a face and pretty much gone, that's not going to touch the sides, you might need something a bit punchier. Mm. So she's had pethidine, mm-hmm. which is quite strong, isn't it? It is, yeah. And oh, well, well, What's pethidine? So pethidine is an opioid-based drug, comes from the family of heroin. It is not heroin. Whoa. <laughs> that escalated uh, quick. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> well, That's what they're serving up these days. So this is why she didn't want to take it, because someone had told her this is like giving your baby heroin. It's not true. It gets a bad rep for that reason, and it does cross the placenta. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is not heroin, but it's an opioid-based drug that's given a virin injection into the leg, and it does cross the placenta. So that means that the baby has the opportunity to receive some of that drug. We have been giving it for years and years. I don't know the specific amount of time, but there are no known adverse effects, just for the record. The effects, as far as I experienced them through Murph, were definitely quite opiate mm-hmm. in that she's gone out of pain, which is brilliant, and then yeah. about 20 minutes later, she just said to me, she just said, uh, I want you to do something, Tom. I said, yeah, what is it? I'll do anything. She goes, I want you to send every single person in this hospital a card. And I was like, yeah. What? I was like, yeah, it's a nice idea, Murph. We're in the uh, we're in the World <laughs> Chelsea and Westminster Hospital. There's probably 800 people. It logistically, Murph. It... Anyway, she's then gone silent and gone, your voice reminds me of God's. <laughs> oh, wow. Brilliant. So it worked. It worked very well. Very Quite well. quickly then. And how long did that take overall? That was a two and a half day. Uh, two and a yeah, half days? Yeah, that's, that's one of those ones, Marie, and you would have seen us all the time, where the first time parents go in on the Thursday, mm. think it might be out here by Thursday tea time, and then sort of Sunday morning comes around and it's like they've been through a war. Yeah. What's the longest <laughs> birth you've been a part of or heard of being, like, long? Labour-wise, I have actually known of women being in labour for like a week, seven days. Um, But when I say in labour, you picture the contractions coming very strong and very regularly. But actually, most of the time in a latent phase of labour can last like two or three days. It it sounds horrific, but like you might get a contraction once every 20 minutes. So sometimes that is manageable for a couple of days and women are okay with that. But yeah, that's, that's probably the longest. I think Daisy's was with our first with Jasper was Wednesday to Saturday or that four, day, four days. Mm. And then like we went through the all the works of the drip. Yeah, oh, okay. Drip. Yeah. Um what's the other thing where they pessary pessary, pessary yeah or a gel different hospitals do different things yeah. but yeah. And then they started describing some other items to me and I was like oh, what the fuck is going sweep on? mentioned. Oh whenever the word sweep is mentioned to me I don't know what it is. I think the word it's one of the worst words Sweet yeah. and moist really yes. really make me feel uncomfortable. Like a moist sweep really doesn't do it for me. Um, I've done some research on long labours. Oh, perfect. Do you mind if I read out some? Is that okay? Please do, yeah. Thank, yeah. You, ever, <laughs> thank you ever so much. Um, so the longest labour 
apparently. See, this is all bullshit, I think, because there's not actual, you can't actually prove it, but this yeah. one's more believable. Was a, was a Polish mother called, oh God. <laughs> as soon as you said Polish mother, I thought we were in trouble here. <laughs> Can we leave it as Polish mother? A Polish mother called Joanna Kriznotek. Kriznotek. Um, and apparently she was in labour for 75 days. What? Wow. Now I know you go, oh, you're talking bollocks now, but this one's slightly more believable. She had triplets. Now, it is a bit of a sad story. She had triplets and at 21 weeks, labour started mm-hmm. and she gave birth to one of the triplets. Just who, one of them. Just one of them who didn't survive. Mm-hmm. And the doctors then did everything they could to stop the labour, mm-hmm. medication, they tied the umbilical cord mm-hmm. and put it back. And I'm like, what? This is, surely this is fucking made up. You see, looking at me in the eyes, like, <laughs> you are full of shit. You've just got this. Off what of what some year sort of was thing. this? Yeah. Do you um, know? Let me just clarify. Location? Some sort of 70s. No, okay. I don't know. Right. And they put it back, anyway, they put it back in and then they put her in a bed. Mm-hmm. That was tilted at thirty degrees with her with her feet. Why? I'm reading the story here. Can you let me? And her feet were facing the ceiling. Right. And at thirty two weeks, she had two healthy girls via C section. Right. Tell me, there's some truth in that story. Is that story believable, or did the bit where I said they tied up the umbilical cord and put it back put you off? Yeah, that is so. From a clinical perspective, if they have left the umbilical cord in her vagina, that would be a massive risk for sepsis and infection because, of course, infection can very rapidly travel up. Um, But not only that, if they have had separate placentas, and it sounds like they must have had separate placentas um, and separate sacs, so sometimes with um, multiple pregnancies, you can have two babies that share one placenta or you can have two babies that have their own placentas. So with that tying of the umbilical cord, that indicates that probably what happened is the baby had its own placenta. Right. So really... That so placenta- sort of doable. Well, the baby may have had its own placenta, but really you would expect that that placenta would be delivered, so there'd be no need to be leaving the umbilicus in place. However, if the baby was sharing the placenta, Uh. then that might be the placenta wouldn't have the opportunity to come away from the uterine wall because it's supporting the other baby. But that would be a massive risk factor, as I said, for infection. Unfortunately, we haven't got any contact details. What was her surname again? Thank you, Tom. It was Krizit Konnekt, Kriz Kriz So, if you listen to this, Mrs. Krizitonek, get in contact at Joe at CrowdNetwork.co.uk. Just fill in the blanks for us, please. I tell you what, if she gets in contact or someone related gets in contact, you owe me a kilo of Mawam. Yeah, that's fair. Is that fair? It's fair. Yeah. Okay. Mawam. Wow, that's that's very specific. There's a reason for that, though. He doesn't, oh. know, he doesn't know how to say Mawam. He calls them Moams. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> you got to patronise it. It's such a oh. short word to get wrong, isn't it? Oh. What was the bet? Because Joe's had to give me a massive bag of Moams. Mawam. <laughs> You're making Ma-wam. me sound wrong. <laughs> Bellend. Maria, I've got a question for you. Right? Yes. Anyone who's a parent <clears throat> is convinced that their baby is a beautiful, beautiful baby. It's and I'm true. sure that's a good idea in nature... Yes. But to be honest, we've all seen some shockers. Yes. Yeah. How do you react then if you're a midwife <laughs> and you something comes out and you think, oh, my God. Surely you've not uh, at any point turned around and gone, oh, my God. 
Um, no, I have uh, never said that. Um, you have to be very professional, of course. Have you got um, a face that you can put on, like a mask? I have many faces that I have to put on as part of my job, if I'm honest. But having said that, when babies are first born, generally they actually do look fairly similar. It's in the coming weeks that they tend to change and their features start to come out. So, um, Have you said similar instead of ugly? <laughs> no. <laughs> very, very good use there. Very good change. I get it. I get it. But they do. And yeah. so I am quite fortunate that um, I don't have to put on a, a face for that because generally they do look very similar. Good. Similar. <laughs> Ugliest one you've seen? I haven't got one. <laughs> I've, I'll tell you, I've saw, I saw a baby one. I've saw one. I've saw I've, one. I've gone saw oh, one. I've saw one. I know, I know Marie's from Cornwall, but you know, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Oh, you saw one. I saw a baby once, and yes, you know, it was a healthy baby, and that's all that matters. And the parents were smitten, and that's the other thing that matters. But I did look at the baby and think, I mean, the head was ginormous, and then the eyes were quite bulbous, quite toad-like. Well, we've. Uh, <laughs> We look back at our photos, you remember those moments as, oh my God, they're the greatest moments we've ever experienced. We're so full of love. This little tiny thing, I just, oh my God, everything's amazing. You look incredible. I just want to squeeze you so hard your head pops off. That's how much I love them. That's (laughs) how I feel about my joys. Yeah, sometimes want to pull her cheeks off. Yeah, you're like, oh God, I just want to eat your head. Yeah. (laughs) And some of my mates are like, are you all right? I'm like, shut up. I love it. I love it. I love it. And, um, but having looked back at uh, the picture of the first two, because I can't quite judge Felix at the moment, he's only 18 months, so he, oh. he's still quite raw to admit what he did look like. Mm-hmm. But the first two are pretty <laughs> bad looking. Were they? Yeah, if I look at them now, I go, oh my God, how did we ever go? They were really cute. <laughs> because as babies, like you've just said, everyone looks very similar. But. How on earth are you going to look any good when you've just been like squeezed out of the smallest hole in the world that's just like made your face all swollen? Yeah, exactly. You know and their I mean? head so changes shape. Yeah. And they have these cone. And my baby had a really she has a bad cone head. I didn't even notice. <laughs> she had a really bad, <laughs> bad cone, cone head. She did. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It's lovely around. She's now, always but... got a hat on, has she? <laughs> yeah, <okay>. She actually <laughs> does at the moment. <laughs> I'll show you, it is round now. Um, but I didn't actually even notice. And my boyfriend said to me, is her head okay? But I was just like, <laughs> look Classic, classic boyfriend chat, yeah. Yeah, he asked me and I was like, oh yeah, that's normal. You know, it's, it's just part of the moulding process that happens as a head passes through the pelvis. And he was like, all oh, right, okay. Oh, you said it really sure. quickly to confuse him as well. So <laughs> he couldn't pick up on any of it. Oh, you are going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll change, it'll change, yeah. I do find that bit, it blows my mind though, when I think of the actual process of a baby mm. coming through the vagina. Yeah. How small that vagina is, even yeah. though when it expands to what? How big does it get? 10 centimetres. 10 centimetres is, is as big, give or take. Yeah, a couple of exactly. How on earth does a human creature get through that hole? Yeah, it is incredible. And I speak a lot to women about this process because there's so many stories about it and you hear, oh, it's like trying to fit a coconut through a keyhole or whatever it is that people describe. I'd um, like to see someone. <laughs> Has anyone actually been there going, right, I'm trying to put this coconut through a keyhole? How's that even an analogy? Someone's just said, donk, donk, donk. <laughs> donk. Oh, it's not working. It's really it not working. <laughs> 
But I speak about this a lot in my book. I've written a whole chapter on it because it's really important that women understand it because otherwise it sounds terribly scary that you've got to push this massive hard head out of your vagina, which is obviously a really intimate part of your body. And so what happens during birth is super quick biology lesson on it if you like i want i want to hear it all yeah. i need this yeah yeah Super there's two crucial parts of it so of course you have the mum's vagina and the vaginal wall um, and the perineum and those during pregnancy you've got a question she, she mentioned perineum yes and i remember before our first a friend of ours who had had a baby already I was like, oh, I don't know, it's going to be you know, it's, it's quite scary. You know, she was like, scary for you? What about for her? What about for David? I'm like, yeah, I don't know, how can I help? She was like, well, I don't know, have you started uh, massaging her? I was like, what do you mean massaging her? She was like, people do recommend that you massage the perineum. Mm-hmm. And I went, the what? And she went, the bit between the vagina and the anus. It's yep. called the perineum, is it? That's right. So in slang talk, it's gooch. Yeah. <laughs> Stinky bridge. The what? Stinky bridge. Anyway, she was saying you should get some essential oils and massage that in preparation to help it stretch mm-hmm. to stop her tearing yep. and all that lot. And I'm comfortable talking about that now because yeah. we're three down the line. Yeah. And, you know, me and my wife, we've been together a long time. But at the time, mm-hmm. when she goes, you need to massage your wife's gooch to stop it tearing, <laughs> oh, that as a sentence, I was like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. <laughs> and you're not alone on that. A lot of men have that. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, what? <laughs> that is right. Oh, you would recommend you could, that as would, an option? Yes, definitely. I oh, would wow. recommend perineal massage. But it doesn't have to be performed by you if oh. you don't want to do it. Well, I ain't next door to it. You've been doing it all this time and no one told you. <laughs> Oh, fucking hell. I don't know how it's got to here. Can did we go back to the biology lesson <laughs> where you mentioned... Uh, did you do it, though? You did? No, I didn't. You didn't do it? Okay. No, she ended up having an emergency C-section on the first one anyway, so I was like, oh, God. It would have gone to waste. <laughs> yeah, it would have. Yeah, she might have enjoyed uh, Anyway. <laughs> she might have done. It's possible. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about it. <laughs> Um, so yes, perineal massage. So going back to the biology lesson, the soft tissue. So mm. what happens is during pregnancy, your body releases various different hormones, relaxin and progesterone being the, the main ones that help to support the growing abdomen. And they also help to support everything soften up ahead of birth. Um, so when you think about birth, you think about a woman that isn't pregnant or hasn't had a baby, having a baby, that's what most women think of it as. Actually, your body goes through a massive process to get to the point where it is prepared to let a baby out. And so also our vaginas are designed to stretch. They are stretchy things and they, with the right exercises postnatally, they can completely go back to as they were before. However, the cervix doesn't ever close completely. So the cervix is the neck of the womb, the opening of the womb. Once you've had a baby, that generally doesn't completely close um, again. But everything else tends to go back to normal with the right support and treatment depending on the type of birth that the woman has had so what i'm trying to say is that the body is absolutely designed to do this it increases all of that softness that flexibility and not only that the baby's skull is actually designed in such a way that the bones in the skull can actually go on top of each other and that's that's called molding what do you mean on top of each other? What they cr- yeah. They cr- so you, you know when a baby's... The baby's... Is that where the hole is? Yeah. Remember the hole that you don't press? Oh. Yes. Remember that? You go... And you oh, sometimes yeah. see it like... Pulsing. That's pulsing. it. You can You're see like, it pulsing. Oh, my God. Yeah. I've got an alien baby. Yeah. 
So that's normal. It's normal, exactly. Um, So the baby's skull is designed in that way. And actually, we have a lot more bones in our bodies at birth for that reason, because the baby's then able to shape and mould their head effectively to fit through the pelvis. Oh, oh. we can hear her. Oh. Bless her. Oh. Sorry. No, you crack on. Okay, I'll just quickly... No, we're just... Que- we're, we're queuing an ad break because we're having a baby meltdown. Um, these are the ads. Uh, peace. Tune in after the ads. Goodbye. Well, it's a quiz. But this time, it's a podcast. Yes! With me, Mikita Oliver. I was going to go with that at first, you know, I really was. I love a quiz. I'm nervous. Oh! How many edges does a 20p have? Uh. Oh my gosh. Oh my god, I'm doing so badly. We will quiz, we will chat, and then we will repeat. Forever. Just search Quiz Chat Repeat in your podcast app. Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favourite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behaviour creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. Right, those were the ads. Um, we had to have a little break, not just for the ads, but because there was a baby screaming her head off because she was left outside on her own. <laughs> um, do you know anything about that, Marie? No, or? I don't know anything about that. Nothing about Nothing that. to do with me. Just a random baby left on her own outside. Yeah, totally. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. But it's all sorted now. Yeah. Have you got some You got some more facts? Yeah, can we start with some facts? Let's do it. Thank you. You mocked my earlier... Longest no, I just labor. Made a, had a few questions, a few yeah, clarifications. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I can't prove it right, so I understand your scepticism. Can you take a guess, both of you here, Tom Marie? Uh, what was the quickest labor completion time? I would say that could be just a few minutes. Oh, see, so this one's more believable. Well, I'm glad Marie went first, you see, because I'm going to use her as an expert midwife. I'm going to use her, so I'm going to say 11 minutes. Okay, um, not bad, not bad. So apparently there's a mum from Chorley. I haven't got a name for the mum, but she claims to have given birth to a baby, to a baby. <laughs> <laughs> she claims to have given birth to a baby, Ava Vivas, in just two minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's May 2020. That's plausible, Marie? Plausible. Two minutes. Yeah, plausible. Your she... voice went higher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's possible. But. 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 It would be... Very rare. I've never heard of that happening in, t- in two minutes. But what might have happened is she might have had a silent labour, as they call it, where women don't experience any pain during contractions or throughout the contractions. Is that the same as those stories that you hear that sometimes a woman can go to the toilet and they can birth? Baby. Yeah, yeah. And so I, is it true or can this be plausible that... You go to the toilet and a baby plops out and they didn't even know they were pregnant. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's doable. 
Fuck off. Is I it? Think, well, for some women, they don't they don't have any symptoms of pregnancy. And especially if they do have a slightly raised BMI, so if they are bigger ladies, yeah. then they might ne- not necessarily notice if they've got a very small baby on board, which tends to happen with these cases. Yeah. Um, sometimes as well, to be quite honest with you, on occasions women can be in total denial that they are pregnant. So it's more of a case that they have not thought perhaps that they are pregnant and they've got to actually the stage of having the baby and where they've been in and and it's called a concealed pregnancy where they will just completely conceal the pregnancy I mean that's not very common but sometimes amongst teenagers we we do see it and where they say I didn't know that I was pregnant and they come in and they're actually in labor that's just I'm just trying to picture fucking hell my tummy feels a bit thingy and plop Ah, out the toilet you're like oh fuck what is that Next fact, please, Joe. Sorry, <laughs> I was just picturing that. Anyway, to go along with that quicker one, and this one helps it a little bit, it's actually an Australian mum called Mary Gorgons, or Gorgons, Mary Gorgons. She gave birth to her fifth in 120 seconds. So again, that's two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's more believable because her first child only took 12 minutes. Yeah. So a fit. So I kind of yeah. believe that one. As yeah. If her first was twelve minutes and her fifth is two minutes, yeah. She says that she went and told her old man and went, "Oh, I think I'm having a baby. Can we get ready to go?" And he was like, "Yeah, I'm just going to go for a pee and get everything ready." Went upstairs, came down, she'd given birth. Would he not? Like, bearing, that- <laughs> bearing in mind the first of the fifth wow. took twelve minutes, would he not have a bag packed? Who's who's in charge of packing the bag in your house? Well, actually, I learnt the lessons of the first one where I was sleeping on the floor of the hospital for three days. And Mm. the second one, I was mocked, Marie, by my partner for arriving for the birth of our second with an inflatable travel mattress, a sleeping bag, a pillow, a sleeping mask, earplugs, three books and a phone charger. That, that, is, that is impressive. That's like you were going on holiday. And I'll tell you what, Marie, I had a cracking sleep in there. I bet you did. Impressive? <laughs> it's fucking selfish. What are you packing so much stuff for? Because she's got a nice bed. She's got the hospital bed. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> He's got this massive... I'm just picturing you like a gap year student. You've got this massive like camping rucksack, this roll-up mattress. And you go, come on then, well. Murph, let's go have a bur- uh, baby, shall we? It was a roll-up mattress, right? Not a blow-up. No, it's blow, blow up. No, it's blow check. Yeah, blow up one. How did you blow it up? Not with your mouth. No, it was one <laughs> of those pump. ones that self inflates. Oh, even oh, better. Oh, posh one was yeah, it? Yes. Was. Uh, so all I said to because there's a period, isn't there, as a dad, where you're just waiting. Yeah, yeah. And I said, look, give me a shout when things start happening. In the meantime, <laughs> you're so selfish. <laughs> no, but do you know what? I do actually encourage that partners do rest. If they have the opportunity to sleep, sleep because you're going to have a baby to look after at the end of exactly. this, and you're far more useful if you've had a bit of rest. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Because I certainly did this, Joe. I don't know if you did, but what is the most ludicrous, stupid thing you have heard a father say in the aftermath of the birth? So I'll give you an example. My son was handed to me, and it was quite clear that he had a penis, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to double-check that it was a boy. Yeah. Because I saw the penis, but I just thought, there's a lot of stuff going on here which I don't understand. Yeah. So I said to the midwife, can I just clarify, is it a boy? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me like I was a real twat. <laughs> Just to oh. clarify, is it a boy? 
Yeah, I mean, it had obviously it, he had a penis. Yeah. You could see just, the penis, but you were still asking her, is it a boy? I just wanted clarification, Marie. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what was confusing about having a baby with a penis and you thinking it was a girl? Well, and they have baby penises, so they are really small. And their balls are massively swollen. The, yes, their balls are really swollen, yeah, yeah, a lot of the time. So, And also, in that moment, it's so overwhelming that sometimes you can come out with ludicrous things. I've had that a few times. Is is my baby, is that definitely a girl? And I'll explain, yeah. Yes, this is the lady. This is her vagina. <laughs> and I have had partners also ask, how is the baby breathing? Because we need to cut the umbilical cord. So they've not quite understood that the baby's not breathing, obviously, in the uterus because the mum is providing the oxygenated blood via the placenta. And when the baby's born, they need to take their first breath. So once they take the first breath, you don't need the umbilical cord anymore. But sometimes people think that if you cut the umbilical cord, the baby's going to suffocate. Like it's a scuba tank. Yes. They don't breathe in there, do they? No. <laughs> they, yeah, they take the first breath on the and outside. I still don't know. <laughs> I don't see what I mean. Well, that's hopefully going to be a really special moment for this fourth baby because you'll realise it'll go, <gasps> and you'll go, oh my God, there's the first breath. <laughs> oh. We actually had a bad go talking of breaths with our second, with Maggie, our daughter, mm-hmm. while she had the cord wrapped around her neck. Mm-hmm. And when she came out, she was blue, yeah. not breathing. Fucking scary, scary moment mm. of the panic yeah. for a f- husband to be like, hang on a minute, you've just given birth, you've gone through this labour, she can't hear the baby at all, so mm. she's immediately panicking. Mm. But I've got to try and stay calm to be like, no, everything's all right, it's fine. But in the back of my mind, I'm shitting myself thinking, how am I going to turn around to you and say, our baby's not alive? Because that, yeah. that, they're the thoughts that I was having straight away. I was like, oh my it's God, horrible. panic. Mm. Panic. It couldn't have been that long. Mm-hmm. Must have been no longer than 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Not long at all, but it feels like a lifetime when you can't hear the baby scream or breathe and 10 people all run in. You hear this alarm and all that. And then that moment of hearing her, fuck it, and she, she hasn't stopped, to be fair now. <laughs> She's got a right... I reckon that, that, that played a part in her character, actually. She's got a right attitude on her now. And screaming, the relief you have as a parent, like, oh, my God, mm. amazing. But they also turned around and went, it's a boy. And we were like, oh, amazing. It's not, oh, it's, we've got two boys, bro, and bring her over. And then as she brings her over, she was like, oh, no, no, it's a girl. It's a girl. And we're like, what? How, the f- how have you got that wrong? And she had really swollen genitals. Yes. So it was quite, th- so there is a confusion. So oh, I, I yeah. feel better. I sympathize, empathize, what's the word? Empathize. I pathize with mm. you on that. But I think it's, easier for me to be mis- uh, have that misunderstanding than you who could actually see the penis I could see the penis um, <laughs> just now we're talking about this is it weird that we can't ever remember being born? So you don't have any memory that you can recall from that time however your brain and the structure of your brain is being shaped during that time so there's something that goes on called pruning so when babies are born they're born with billions of neurons the, the same amount of neurons that we're ever going to need for our lives but what happens and is they, they also don't look have- like prunes they do look like yeah, prunes as well, yeah, shriveled. shriveled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very apt, how that word. Indeed. The baby needs to make all of those connections and those pathways in the brain. So when we say, I want to pick up this glass, well, I've done that so many times, I can pick up the glass, talk to you and not even think about it. Obviously, a child is unable to do that. It takes them a very long time to understand it and grasp their motor skills to be able to pick up that glass. And that's why they're fascinated with everything, because what's happening is they're making all of these connections within their brains and they're making these pathways that fire off very quickly to enable us to do all of the things that we can do as adults. And part of that process is called pruning. So the, the pathways that are 
aren't used um, the most tend to just die off because they don't use those pathways. So when you are teaching a baby to pick up things, when you're showing a baby love, that actually really helps to enhance their brain development because they're spending their energy, if they're loved, they're spending their energy in a safe space of learning what it is that they need to learn because their body's not focusing on other things that it needs to do, for example, like survival, the baby's being fed, kept warm, being cared for. So that they, they have the best opportunity to thrive. But that is why those first initial years are so important because that's when all of that structuring of the brain takes place. For most people, their jobs, even if they've got a really exciting job, they can become quite mundane. Mm. So you witness the most incredible thing that any of us will ever experience in our lives. Does it ever lose its miraculous feeling? No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. Generally, we have 12 and a half, sometimes 13 hour shifts. And and most of the time you might see two births or perhaps even three. But it never gets boring. I'll be honest, the paperwork gets really boring. There's so much paperwork when a baby's born. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) People think, oh, you cuddle babies. It's all beautiful. It's wonderful. No, we don't. A lot of what we do is, is admin and paperwork and documentation because it's a legal document. When a woman's having a baby, we have to document everything. So when you offer them a drink, you have to document that you've offered a drink. You have like a running transcript of everything that's happening in the room so that gets boring and that gets dry but the actual witnessing a birth and being part of a birth never never ever I have that same feeling of like elation excitement every single birth as I have done from the first one that I ever saw there's there's a tougher side um, yeah and um, me and my wife we've experienced two miscarriages have along you? the way one recently um, during, during lockdown yeah and um well, both of us, we couldn't work out why is it mm. such a big taboo mm. and why um, you don't tell anyone until you get to 12 weeks. So yeah. you get the 12-week scan because prior to that, there's always a chance that you're going to have a miscarriage. You don't tell anyone. But then you're like, well, but why? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what's, is there, why is yeah. there such a big taboo around miscarriages? Because they're really common, aren't they? Yeah, they are quite common. Yeah, a lot of women do experience miscarriage um, at some stage in their life. And I don't really know why there is such a taboo surrounding it. And I think the thinking behind it perhaps is that don't tell anyone until you're 12 weeks in case you lose it because the more people that you tell, the more people that you have to say, I've actually lost my baby. And going through that of of telling more people is perhaps more difficult. So if you don't tell anyone, then you don't have to keep repeating, I've lost my baby, I've Mm. lost my baby. Mm. Um, So I think that perhaps is some of the thinking behind it. But like a a, a lot of us now saying, actually, it should be something that we should talk about and, and it shouldn't be such a taboo because... Like you said, it is common amongst women. And if we are honest about it, women that are having miscarriages feel less like, why did it happen to me? Was it me that failed my baby? Was it my body? Was it something that I did? You know, if it's just something that's spoken about, it perhaps it would make women feel less kind of responsible in a way for having a miscarriage. Because I think that is ultimately such a, a hard thing to go through. And then to on top of that, to blame yourself because, well, no one else is having them. So why why have I had to? Um, I think that's, that's really hard for women. So if we did speak about it more, understand that this does happen to women and it can be a part of pregnancy, miscarriage. Mm. The more you do speak about it, yeah. the easier it is to share, the easier it is to cope with, yeah. for people to cope with it and deal with it and move on. It's obviously harder for the woman. Mm-hmm. Because both the physical and emotional side of it, you've got to deal with. And as a man, as a partner, mm-hmm. it's it's trickier because yeah. 
you can't do anything. Yeah. You can't do anything to actually ease her pain or, or help her or but you've also suffered that loss yeah as much as she has yeah when when mum is upset to be the person to to try and console her when you're also experiencing grief and loss yourself yeah it's it's, it's difficult there's so much more we could talk about here joe isn't there but we are conscious marie that georgie will need feeding again at some point <laughs> yes um, she will <laughs> so joe do you want to give us one little final Joe fact. Are you sure? Because I've given you two facts or apparent facts and both of you have looked at me like I'm some sort of idiot. Well, the speedy labour isn't an idiot one because there's precipitate Oh, so you are saying the first one was was an idiot one. Okay, well, come on, Joe, back yourself. Let me try and... uh, Gestation. So that's got nothing to do with eating. Do you want to go with that Do you one? mean the longest gestation? As in, <laughs> gestation is how long someone's pregnant for. Indigestion is a symptom of pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> Got it wrong. But it would be interesting to know how long someone had indigestion for. So let me read this out. So someone, the average time to have indigestion is 280 days. What? And this woman called Bula Hunter had indigestion for 375 <laughs> days. And at the end right. of her indigestion, <laughs> she had baby Penny, who you'd have thought being uh, gestated, whatever the word is anymore, for over a year, you'd think, oh, this is a big baby. She was only six pounds. Murray, is this possible that you could, you could have a child in your womb for a year? In this day and age, we don't, don't allow it. No, allow pregnancy no, no. to go could, on that long. But it could back it could. in the in day. Theory, this is back in, in the day. In theory, in theory, it could. you know, some theories behind but, that are that she may have experienced a miscarriage early yes, on. Didn't know, didn't know and got, got pregnant. pregnant during it. So there's a theory there, Tom. So it's doable. That, however, is not the one I'm going to go with. Oh, we'll go with the biggest baby. Yes. Everyone, everyone always wants big, don't they? Yes. Um, so, Tom, can you... No, we'll go with Marie. See, I'm testing you to see if you're actually a midwife. Go Surely it. this is part of the midwife test, knowing what the biggest baby record was. Oh, I've got a confession. What? I'm not actually a midwife. What? Oh. <laughs> no, I'm so just another kidding. another stitch-up for music. Are you actually Marie, related? Is this Marie, one of your sisters? <laughs> Marie, yeah, got... I'm the favourite sister. Another... I've got to explain that Joe has trust issues. Oh, OK. Yeah, so... Unwittingly, by attempting to make light of Joe's trust issues, you may have made them worse. Oh, God. You are. Can you clarify? You are a midwife. I am a midwife. Got a badge. I might actually have my. Oh no, I don't. I don't. Oh, convenient. But I mean, I, you can look me up on the NMC register. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we go. Can you hazard a guess at what the biggest baby was? Yes, I think I heard about this. Uh, Fourteen or fifteen pounds. I think it was just over a stone. The average baby, just to put this into context, people who haven't had kids, the average baby at birth weighs... Around between seven and eight pounds, usually. So Peter Alice... Who's um, Peter Alice? Peter Alice was the great BBC golf commentator who unfortunately passed away this year at the ripe old age. When he was born, I believe he was the heaviest baby ever recorded in Europe. In Europe? And what are you saying his weight was? I think he was about 15 or 16. Subsequently to that, there would have been a bigger baby... So I'm going to say 17 and a half pounds. So apparently, not apparently, these are facts <laughs> from where I found them. So there's two. So there was a there was a baby called Babe, and unfortunately he only survived for 11 hours, but he weighed 22 pounds. Wow. And the only other fact I found out was that his mum was 7 foot 11. <laughs> <laughs> so that... 
Right, explain it. I don't it. believe that. Seven foot eleven. Seven foot eleven. Might as well be eight foot. Just call it eight foot now. <laughs> um, but the heaviest baby that survived was in Italy in 1955. The child's name was withheld, but the mother's name was trying to do my Italian. Hello, hello, ciao, ciao, Bella. That's good. Ciao. You want to work for the family? That's a bit French. Ciao, Bella. Camalina. So the mother's name was Camalina Fideli. 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 From South Wales, is she? Fideli. Camalina Fideli. Child's name was withheld. The boy survived in 1955. (laughs) He was 22 pounds. What? Eight ounces. Wow. So what's that? You said what? 15 pounds was a stone, is it? 15 pounds is just over a stone. Okay, just over a stone. 14 pounds is in a stone, is it? Fucking hell, that's got to make a mum wince. What would that be? So let me try and work that out. Probably around about six months old. (gasps) Oh, wow. Uh, It also says... Babe, the first one I mentioned was twenty two pounds and twenty eight inches. Where? I don't know whether that was wide or long. Surely it's not probably. It's got to be. It's got to be length. Fucking hell! Twenty eight inches wide. I mean, that what is a human big. Is... Yeah. Well, his mum was seven foot eleven. Might as well call it eight. I, I don't believe it. I don't think it's a fact. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Marie, but that is um, true. Marie, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so um, much for having me. I've learnt so much more. Especially that, that babies don't actually breathe inside. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't know that. That's so bad, isn't it? I learned that I need a good sleep on the floor of a maternity ward. <laughs> yeah. I learned that you're an incredibly selfish partner during, <laughs> <laughs> during labour. But Marie, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you so thank much you. for having me. Thanks. Right, Joe, what do you think about that? It was really surprising how comfortable and mature we behaved when... The word vagina was. I used. thought that vagina. Um, no, it was really interesting. Did you enjoy it? Did you like her? I thought it was amazing. I did find myself wondering what sort of midwife you would be. I wouldn't be a midwife. I'd go straight to matron. Actually, I can I can see you in a penny. Thanks. But in the meantime, Joe, I'm going to tell you about another show. Quiz Chat Repeat is a new daily quiz podcast with Makita Oliver. They do a sports quiz every Wednesday, do a music quiz on Tuesday. Every episode is only 15 minutes long. So listen, it's a great way to start your day. Search for Quiz Chat Repeat in your podcast app. Who have we got next week? Well, we have got a week off, Joe, because it's Christmas. Um, When we come back in the new year, we have guests including marine biologist. Nice. Someone who worked on death row. Oh, God. And a cheesemonger. Oh, okay. You know quite eclectic that eclectic we will continue joe to grow the show yeah tune in when you can you don't tune in happy christmas happy christmas crowd network a place where you belong Podcast Network.